Greetings from the Athletics Recreation Center. A few pre-pod announcements for you. Children are to be under the supervision of a parent or guardian at all times. Valparaiso University is a smoke-free campus. Please refrain from using tobacco products anywhere on university property. We thank you for your cooperation. And now your hosts from Las Vegas, Nevada, Parker Gatewood, and from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Paul Oren. Welcome to Union Street Hoops! Greetings and welcome to Union Street Hoops, a weekly podcast dedicated to Valparaiso basketball that, Parker, you can hear every week on NWI.com and on iTunes. Uh, on iTunes, the podcast, and on NWI.com. It's Parker Gatewood, at Parker B. Gatewood on Twitter. And I'm at NWI Oren on Twitter. And I will tell you that we are relatively new and improved. Oh, my gosh. We have got... Uh, it looks legit in here. It looks legit. You know, we're, we're, we're hanging out in my office. We've, uh, I put a little money into this thing. We got a new soundboard. Just pocket change for just PO, Just pocket though. change. You know what? Just, you know what? Just, I, I just wanted to give back to the, to the community right. for the podcast that we don't get paid to It, it was <laughs> either this or a Rolls. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? I'm, I'm rolling on... I'm rolling on my Impala right now, so I'm okay. <laughs> Second best. We got a we got a brand new production board here. We're not gonna. We shouldn't sound like we're in a tunnel anymore. No, because it's that fancy. Yes. You don't even know. You don't even know. Okay. I'm in the fast lane. That's right. They're listening to Union Street Hoops in Tokyo. <laughs> no one understands what we're talking about. No, no. Man, last week, last episode wasn't quite last week. It was. Uh, we 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 took some time. You know, you know people are gonna think that this podcast is bipolar because it, yeah. So we started off the last podcast with Happy Days Are Here Again, yes. and I'm here to tell you that this week I'm telling you that Valpo basketball has jumped the shark. Do you know the reference? Do you understand the reference? No, you don't. That's I don't fine. So. I didn't right. think you did. Yeah, no. So I barely know the reference. So in the television show Happy Days, which uh, Ron Howard is in and the Fonz set you know, in Milwaukee, yep. there's a Fonz statue, um, there is a, uh, an episode where the Fonz, he jumps a shark while surfing. Oh. He literally takes a surfboard. And I've never seen the episode, so if I'm getting anything wrong, please hit us up on Twitter and let us know. <laughs> I feel like I should have known this. But from what I understand is he, he goes surfing and he jumps a shark. And the show was crap after that. You know, it was like that was viewed as the point when everything fell apart for Happy Days. Yeah. Like the writing was bad, the acting was bad, and all gotcha. of that. Right. So the term is when things get to a point where it's it's not fixable, it's when it's so, it's gotten so absurd and that's so bad the shark. that's jumping the shark. Got it. I don't know that Valpo basketball's quite jumped the shark for the 2017-18 season, but it's certainly not happy days. Yeah, no, they pro- they should be drinking like Laverne and Shirley. They probably see the shark and they are, see the are ready. Shark. They're know? ready to jump. It's uh, yeah, it was not. A successful uh, last few games, Paul. No, no, and uh, and so let's talk about them. We'll jump right into it here. And uh, and first of all, with a road trip, Valpo went to the nor- northern Iowa, and I got to tell you, I loved it. I thought it was. Oh, great. that's right. Yes, I your went. trip to yes, good old Iowa. Yeah, how did yeah. it go? It was great. It was fantastic. Any more bartender so, stories? Uh, <laughs> I did not end up. Uh, I did not end up staying at a random stranger's house Shoot. like I did the last time Darn that I it. went, but. Uh, so the girlfriend and I went to uh, went to Iowa, and uh, it was kind of an exciting little venture out there. I had a lot of fun because 
I'm so used to driving to Detroit and to Cleveland and yeah, Milwaukee right. and all of that. So you want to get out and do some of these road trips. And uh, went to, uh, took, I think we took I-80 on the way out there. End up doing the world's largest truck stop. I saw the pictures. Yeah, so gorgeous. Uh, if if you've never been to the world's largest truck stop, it is, it is a place to behold. Yeah, there are, I mean, there's like a a whole trucker shop in the thing. Not like a trucker shop, like you go to like, you know, the Travel Plaza. There, there I'm telling you, there were full on semis on rotating display in the wow. world's largest truck stop. My gosh, and. Every kind of thing that you could put on a semi, they had. And they had it, like, marketed by the NFL. Well, what, okay, what are the things that you could put on a semi? So I don't even know the answer to that, but there were so <laughs> many. There there was aisles and aisles of stuff that I didn't even know existed. Interesting. And they had, like, an NFL-like marketed logo on it, too. Wow. Like, any any and all trucking implements you needed, they had. It's fascinating to That's me. crazy. I just saw so much salt of the earth in Iowa. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. And I, and I'm look, I, at no point do I want to come off as degrading to Iowa. No, all. yeah, absolutely. But part of the allure of this trip was to was to go see a, a, a part of the world that I... It's a flyover state. So you're saying that, uh, that Iowa people give... The state's flavor is that what you're? Because that's you know salt of the earth, right? Yeah, like, no, I think the people in Iowa gave it a lot of flavor. Okay. Yeah, and as a matter of fact, I've I, never. I don't think I've ever heard anyone in Iowa. Well, have you ever been to Iowa? No. See, that's what I'm saying, man. But there's it's a reason. flavorful. It's flavorful. <laughs> <laughs> there were there were 32 flavors in Iowa. Okay. Let me tell you. All right. So, and I. It's more I, than 31. I, I said it was a flyover state. It's actually that's like Iowa. How important is Iowa? That's where that's where it starts. The political process starts. The Iowa caucus. I didn't like, know that. They go to Iowa to take the temperature to find out if they can even run for president. It. I we I were. Di- I didn't know that. The girlfriend and I, I we, were, we were we were driving and uh, and said, uh, I said, do you think Donald Trump has ever driven this road before? And. Or I said, do you think President Barack Obama or Donald Trump, the president, have ever driven this road before? And she said, oh, absolutely. Every part of Iowa has been canvassed by a politician. It's a it's it's a weird place. They wouldn't just like fly in. No, I think they drive in, <laughs> and they they do like RVs, like bus trips. And oh my! Good so, and and if they need wow, if they need and anything breaks down, they can go to the presidents go in RVs. Oh yeah, man, book tours and all that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, sure, man. You got to watch the West Wing. It's uh, good. Uh, you know, I'm not too up on politics, Paul. So. Okay, that's, that's fine. why we do Valpo basketball. That's right. So they all they all go to Iowa, <laughs> uh, and so so we did that. Then we cut across. Uh, we took some side roads. Actually, found Route 30 in Iowa. Wow, beautiful. Like, we could have just taken. Could have just taken that's 30. Not beautiful. <laughs> it, was not, it was like a sliver oh, no, of road. Beautiful I, that you found 30. Okay. The concept of it. Yeah, all, not the, the concept road. of 30, not the road itself. Yes, no. Um, we uh, we went to the Field of Dreams where the oh, movie cool. was shot. Sweet, that was fun, and it was freezing cold. It was closed. There was, I mean, nobody was around. The gift shop wasn't open. We uh, we walked the base paths, and yeah, I I, I threatened to slide into home plate, but uh, it was rock hard ground. <laughs> Not gonna happen. I was. I think I spent six minutes outside before my ears were were frostbitten. No, so we got back in the yeah. car and we. We drove on to uh, to Cedar Falls and uh, and Waterloo, which is the same. I mean, they're kind of next to each other, kind of mm. thing. 
and I like Champaign-Urbana. There's a Waterloo, Iowa, too? There is, yes. Wow. It was not a battle fought there, as far as I know. <laughs> um, but yes, Waterloo is a, is a great spot. And uh, so we... We stayed at a hotel, which just opened the month before. It was a converted John Deere factory because Iowa. Yeah, and um, and it was it was great. It was it was. I, I I'm certain we were the first people to stay in the room we stayed in, because like the hair dryer we had to like take out of the package. It was uh, <laughs> it was brand new. I've everything. never heard of that. Brand new That's everything. Fantastic. I was very excited about the pool, which was two feet ten inches deep. And freezing cold. Uh, yeah, I think they had not installed the water heater. Was it a heater. pool or was it an ice rink? It was an ice rink. Okay. Yes, it was freezing cold. And uh, so then Valpo goes to the game, and we'll we'll touch on that in a bit. Next day, so th- actually that night, former WVUR broadcaster with me when I was in school, Tim Harwood, is now the play-by-play voice of the Waterloo Blackhawks hockey team. Sure. Okay. And so he uh, he was out there. We got together for a beverage, and then uh, the next day. Um, Sarah and I went to a uh, went to a Waterloo Blackhawks hockey match. Wow! And I mean, the, and how was w- it? How was the atmosphere? Three thousand people packed into this place. It was nuts. I mean, that's maybe, uh, that you know that rivals. Maybe it wasn't three thousand. It could have been fifteen hundred. What the place was packed. Yeah, sure. Alvin and the Chipmunks were there. Big doings going on, and uh, it was in what all- form? <laughs> in what form were Alvin and the Chipmunks there as mascots? Yes, yes, his mascot. What? They were posing. Did they with, sing? I don't. I, I, I don't know. They did play music from Alvin and the Chipmunks. We're leaving this all in. We're leaving oh, it all no, in. No, we should yeah. because yeah. I just that's that's I that seems like Iowa. <laughs> You've never been to Iowa. I know, but it just seems like it. We're fits. gonna bother so many people with our depiction of iowa i know and you know what and i gotta say one of these days i will go to iowa and i'll enjoy it and i won't rag on it it just i don't know any better so that's what i'm going with that's fair that's fair um and the people from iowa probably look at vegas as where all the degenerates live and all of that and and we are yeah it's 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 fair. fair That uh, so that night, this is exciting. We come back and uh, and uh, my girlfriend went to Cornell University in uh, out in. I didn't know that. That's yeah. impressive. Yeah, it is impressive. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> As I didn't do anything about it, but yeah, she <laughs> she uh, she went to Cornell no, University. No, yeah, it's impressive for her. And uh, and uh, can I give can I give a shout out here? Yeah. Our guy, uh, you know, he's he's the competition. Mike Ozapoff of the Post Tribune also went to Cornell University. Oh my gosh, that's also yeah. impressive. No, good guy, good guy. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know how much I'm allowed to talk about Mike or I, I enjoy Mike. I don't think I can retweet him or favorite him or it's like you know, yeah, we, right. we fight each other and 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 you know the the narrative is we're not supposed to like. I like Mike. He's a good guy. Also yes. went to Cornell. So uh, there's a Cornell College, and uh, it's in Iowa, and. This was the best part of my trip. This is my favorite part of the trip. So uh, we we go to Cornell the College because Sarah wants to get a picture by the Cornell College sign because that's awesome. Like same reason why I want to go to Valparaiso, Chile, or however yeah, they call uh, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. So so we go there and we go. We stop and get gas. And uh, as 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 she's she goes in she goes to the bathroom and there's two two women behind the counter who are wearing, like, Greek letters. They clearly go to school at Cornell College. And I think one of them is, like, an admissions tour guide or something like that. And so I, I started asking about the school a little bit. Tell me, you know, what does Cornell specialize in? Where do you get your students from? As I see the, the door opening, Sarah's coming out, I, I say, so uh, 
what do you guys think of that Cornell University in New York? Like, do you guys get mistaken? And they go on to say, like, oh, yeah, like a lot of times people come for tours and they like they're on the tour for a little bit and they realize they're not at the Ivy League school and they get all upset and everything. And it's like, oh, yeah, that place is terrible or whatever I said. It's just trying to like it was just fun. Yeah, right. It was a really good moment. And then uh, then on the way back, it's, uh, it was terrible whiteout conditions, really bad snow. We stopped at Iowa City, went to the University of Iowa, checked out uh Went to Hawkeye Carver Arena, walked around the basketball cool. arena, and uh, and then yeah, continued on our way back. And it was uh, miserable driving conditions; couldn't see five feet in front of us. A car spun out, got out, helped the guy a little bit. Uh, this is just proof of that, you know. You know, I find the guy on Facebook because I'm trying to let him know what mile marker we're at. Uh. And uh, and you know, once we uh, we got on the road, I, I had his name. I found him on Facebook, and yeah. Found that he's from Milwaukee. Knew a couple of people that I knew. So just you know, it is what it is. You see, you see people everywhere. Sometimes in a ditch in Iowa, you never know what. It's a small world. Small in, world in the Midwest. Val, speaking of small world, it's a good segue. Valpo went small at the end of the Northern Iowa game and damn yes. near pulled this thing off. Yeah, they trailed by twenty three points at one point. I think mm. in that game, it was a, a horrific game. Northern Iowa opened up a lead of 23 points. They had – this is a hard part here because what's the biggest knock on the Valpo basketball team this year? You, I mean, what are your thoughts? Inexperience. Inexperience. Yeah, Youth, absolutely. Right? Sure. Biggest thing. 43 points, 17 rebounds from Northern Iowa's two freshmen that started the game. Right. You know, Taiwan Pickford – Six of six from the floor, four for four for three points, seven of eight from the free throw line, 23 points. Austin Fife, who'd never started a game in his career, ends up starting in place of uh, of one of Northern Iowa stars. He goes six of seven from the floor, makes all eight free throws, 20 points. He entered the game with 27 career points, and he had 20 points in the game. Now, Understandably so, playing at home is supposed to be better for you than playing on the road if you're a freshman, but their freshman dominated. Valpo's freshman in that game, Malik McMillan, nine minutes, one of four from the floor, two turnovers. Martin Linson, eight minutes, made his only shot, two rebounds and a block. Parker Hazen did not play. It is... Uh, Which is becoming a theme. It's becoming a theme. Parker's not... He's not... Even when they're getting blown out now, he's not... He's not getting on the floor, which is seems like a message. I don't know what the message is, but right. you know, I don't have a decoder ring, so I'm not sure. Um, this was a tough one. They're up 23 points in the second half, and then things got weird because with four and a half minutes left to go in the game, Jay Soroya makes a free throw. Valpo's down 17. Lodic takes Soroya out of the game, puts in Marcus Golder. And then and then the, the Valpo fouls. Northern Iowa gets two free throws. Now they're up 19. So they're up 71-52 with 3.52 left in the game. And then Valpo goes on a 19-3 run to cut it down. And they get all the way within, I think they, they cut it down to, uh, to five points. Uh, Marcus hit a three-pointer, make it 74-69. McLeod got a uh, got a free throw, make it seventy five sixty nine. Bakari missed a three pointer. Max got the offensive rebound, missed a layup, was right there at the basket. They had a couple other situations here where they got it down to six with twenty seven seconds left, 
after Marcus hit a three-pointer. They forced a turnover. Bakari missed the layup, got the offensive rebound, missed the layup. Then they called a foul on Max Joseph when it was clearly a jump ball, and that it ended the momentum. Valpo ends up losing the game 81-76 to as Marcus scored at the buzzer, make it look a little bit closer than it was. But, but okay, so Valpo loses by five in a game that they were down 23. Are you excited that they came back, or are you wondering why they were down 23 in the first place? Yeah, like most of the year, it's, it's a weird way to feel, and I just don't know how much you can take right cuz you could you could pull from both sides of the argument like you said but just i mean obviously having seen the games after that as well it's just it just doesn't seem like a good sign that they were down 23 in the first place considering when we and we talked about this game how we didn't think that they were going to win just because it was set up perfectly for Northern Iowa to get that first conference win. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I, what did I, I told you, I said I thought they were going to win by 25. Right. Right. And that almost happened. It almost it should have happened. It should have happened. And they, another, Northern it was Iowa loss. played well enough to win by 25. Yeah. And, and again, it had very little to do with Valpo. I thought that you had a team that was desperate, and they showed it by taking out Bennett uh, Coke. I think is how you say Yeah, Bennett Coke. They took him out the star. They took him out of the starting lineup, put in Austin Fife, who dominated. And yeah, who, which, he, so what, total just shots, like six of seven and eight of eight. So that's Those, 15, yeah. 14 of. They were fantastic, it, yeah. both of the freshmen. And Austin Fife didn't. He took 15 shots, seven from the field, eight from the free throw line. He missed one. Right. He'd never started a college like, game what do you, Like, what, can, what are you going to do about that? I mean, that's, that's tough. Yeah, but and at the same time, the fact that it even happened, you know, there was, it's, I don't know. Micah Bradford had a very interesting game. Uh, nine assists, career high nine. Valpo's had multiple games where they have had half that many assists in a game. Yeah, he had nine assists, but four of twelve from the field, missed all three of his three pointers, and alarmingly missed all five of his free throws. Right. Wow. Just a weird stat line. Really weird stat line because you look at the assists, and he had one turnover. And this is becoming, right, so this is becoming a theme, though, with Micah is that his assist numbers have been far up, and he hasn't committed many turnovers, but he still continues to shoot at a high clip and has not been knocking them down. But three missed three-pointers could might as well be three turnovers. Right. You know, And again, you don't expect a guy to hit all three. No. You expect him to hit at least one, if not, you know, Two out of right. three. If and four not, twelve. Well, that's thirty three percent. But oh, a five from the free throw line. That's yeah, it's not good. Not good. And that that's something. And we'll touch on it later. But that was an, again, you know, was a problem in the, our the most recent game. Yeah, Loyola. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bakari had nineteen points in the game, and you know, if if you look in the second half, he had thirteen of those nineteen points. Marcus Golder had thirteen points. He had all thirteen of his points in the second. Excuse me. He had uh, 13 of his 18 points in the second half. So those guys turned it on. And here's where the alarming problem is, because we saw Bakari do this in the Loyola game as yep. well. The guys that are the most athletic, and you'd, you'd say that Bakari has got the ability to get to the basket when things break down. Marcus has got the ability to get to the basket when things break down. Those guys are thriving when Vapel's got to play catch-up in a late-game right. situation. Yeah, and you don't want that. And so, and I thought Matt Loddick made a good point at the end of the game when we talked to him at the at the press conference in Northern Iowa. 
you know, I, I said, well, what do you, do you learn about your team? You know, and, and I didn't ask him, you know, why don't you try more five-guard offense? Because no one's going to do that. And he yeah. made a point of saying, that's not who we are. That's not, that's not who we are as a basketball team. It's not sustainable to, to do that. And, it, and it, really, it really had me think for a second. And now follow me on this, because this is a crazy journalism tangent. I'm going <laughs> to go on. Sure. Like, y- people don't play five-guard offenses, right? No. Or you don't play five. It's just not, it's not, it doesn't work. Right. You know what? But it did work. It's not traditional, but it did work. <laughs> Here's the thing in journalism. Like, we cover things like the Kardashians now all the time. We yeah. cover, like, because people click on that stuff. Sure. It's not real journalism. It's not who we are as mm. journalists, right? But it works. So, like, people click on it. People click on that a hell of a lot more than they click on, like, a story about the Flint water crisis. Right. Right? Like, not to get too, like, soapboxy no, here. No, yeah, right. But, like, it's true, though. So, so is there any correlation at all to saying, well, you know, traditionally you do two guards, two forwards, and a center— or you do three guards, a forward, and a center, or something like that. Like, I'm not, I'm not trying to get Matt Lodick to reinvent the wheel. I'm not even saying right. the wheel is broken. I'm saying that this was so far off the, like he did, he did five guards and it worked. Right now, how did it work? Did it work because Northern Iowa thought they'd won the game ten minutes ago right. and exactly. quit? It was really weird to watch. I couldn't believe what I was seeing that yeah. it was actually working. Yeah, I don't know. I'd go click on some Kardashian stuff and. I, no. I wouldn't click on one of those no, I know you, I, I know you wouldn't. <laughs> but look, you're not clicking on politician stuff either. That's fair. That's, that's fair. True. I don't know what you're clicking. You're clicking on ninja videos I is mean, what you're doing. Yeah, that video tutorials. It's That's it's, right. I live a very exciting life. You do. You do. <laughs> By the way, everyone, go check out Parker Gatewood on YouTube, man. Get this guy to 100, 100 followers. It's good stuff. It's good content, including that. the most recent one, which is heartbreaking for me, why you quit sports broadcasting. Yeah, but, all right. Yeah. But uh, it's because there's, there's truth dropped in that one, It's because you wanted to start a podcast yeah absolutely valpo sees a glimmer a flickering glimmer of hope when they go to springfield missouri to take on the conference leader at the time the conference preseason favorite missouri state valpo guts it out and takes a lead at the end of the first quarter or first half excuse me 31 26 the first three games they played on the road in conference play they were awful to start the game this one because you know, even in Northern Iowa, as we said, they were down 11-3 in yeah. the first half. Yes. This one, Valpo takes an early lead. They led by nine. They led 13-4 to early in the game, and they end up taking a 31-26 halftime lead, and then, and then the bottom falls out. And then Missouri State goes on a run, and, you know, Alizé Johnson hits back-to-back three-pointers. Well, not back-to-back, but he hit consecutive three-pointers from Missouri State to, uh, to get them back in the game. And then there was a moment where he, uh, Alizé Johnson, just took over the contest. He got an offensive putback. Um, he got a, uh, a jump shot in the, in, in the lane that he got fouled, conventional three-pointer, and then he knocked down a three-pointer. He took a 47-44 Missouri State lead and stretched it up to 55-46, and, uh, and he took over the game. He, I wrote my article that, that went on NWI.com and in the Times that – if Alizé Johnson is submitting his resume to NBA teams, just show the second half of that game. That's all you need to see. <laughs> right. Another, I mean, yeah, you can look at those numbers. It's crazy. He was 24-17 and 17 for the game. He had 20 points and 11 rebounds in the second half. 
And entering that half, he'd played the first three halves of the year against Valpo. He was limited to like five field goals. Right. I mean, Valpo done a good job bottling him up. And he played out of his mind, and Valpo was atrocious in the in the second half. They were mm-hmm. nine of thirty one from the field, two eleven two of eleven from the three point line. They had they didn't turn the ball over. They just didn't make shots, and that was uh, that was a tough one for Valpo. Um, yeah, just nobody. You know, Marcus Golder had twelve points. Tavon Walker had ten points on fifteen shots. Bakari Evelyn took ten shots, had nine points. There was. It's not a lot of flow to the game there. Really difficult. I wasn't there. You weren't there. No. I watched it. That's as much as I can talk right. about the game. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's a team is picked to finish first in the conference. They're, what, 5-2 and two right yeah. now in MVC yeah, play? They're, they're doing well. So, I mean, they're a good team, and it was on the road. We both knew it was going to go as a as a loss. So, um, now, now Valpo comes back home, and th- – You're back where you want to be. You're back home. You're playing a team, close proximity to you. Loyola, I know they're good. They beat Florida on the road. They're a good team, right? But come on. This is is a rivalry game. It It should be anyway, right? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. This this did not do great for the campaign of a rivalry. No, it did not. And and good. It was a four-point game at the half. You know, Valpo... Led by two early on, but it was really it was back and forth for a lot of the first half. There was no no distance really between the two teams. Um, Loyola opened up a ten point lead, twenty seven seventeen, with two forty two left to go in the half. Tavon dunked it and really sparked the team, and they ended up tying the game into the second half. They tied it. They went on a ten zero run. They tied it, and then uh, and then Loyola they took over and they went on a, on a big run there. And, uh, you know, they just, you know, they got everything working for them. You know what is, is interesting about this one? It's you look at, so Loyola, Loyola only scores 70 points, right? You th- you look at that and you think that's con- that's a pretty decent defensive game, right? Or you look at it from the other's perspective of if they only allowed, or if they would have allowed 80-whatever, that would be yeah. a poor defensive game. But I thought... I think we both thought when we were watching, like interior defense, uh, there were a lot of easy baskets. They were going right at the rim on a regular basis. And part of it at the beginning, Tavon Walker gets called for an offensive foul in the first possession of the game. Mm. He's got to let up defensively for the next. I mean, you can't take him off the floor because he's only got one foul. But if he gets a second foul, then he's off the floor. Right. And that's going to hurt the offensive side of things and the defense because he's a good defender. But they were getting him. They were getting him down low into the paint and going right at him, and he'd have to put his hands up. Yeah, there's just not much he can do. You know, you can't because if he picks up that second foul, then that puts the team in a bad position, and you don't want that. But at the same time, you know, it's it's easy points. But I think beyond, you know, after he could kind of get back into playing the way he usually does and all that, just defense inside was not good. Not good at all. Derek Smith's played 31 minutes, a career high, equal to his career high in points with 14 and six rebounds. They they went they went right inside though, and it's just it it was tough. Derek did have two blocks, and Marcus Golder had two blocks, and man, those blocks <laughs> always fun, you, always fun. I thought I thought he was going to kill somebody on the first block, the right. velocity of which that ball came down. The, the, then then the the second block, while not as loud 
in in you know in, in vicious. I said it was probably a little bit more impressive because he had to high point that it was a three point shot. Yeah, and he went up and sent it into the stands. Man, that guy he didn't score any points in the game. He has his athleticism is very impressive. And I don't think I actually realized until I looked at this that Valpo scored three bench points. Micah Bradford had a field goal and a layup. Uh, Marcus Golder, Jay Soroya, and John Kaiser came back. Uh, all missed one shot. Right. No, I mean, Valpo took 47 shots in the game. That's it. And I, I read something that the game was on pace to be the lowest possession game of the year. I don't know if that's that, but if that <laughs> actually that came to, to fruition. But Like uh, in, in the... I just saw all the tweet I saw was that, that Valpo Loyola on pace to be lowest possession game of the year, and it was not by a Valpo person. Oh, wow. So I think maybe it was somebody who was looking at the metrics of the game or something. Interesting. It was, uh, you know, there were each team shot 14 free throws. Uh, each team shot 14 three-pointers. Valpo hit three of them, continuing a a really just a bad theme of this team. Right. It's just, man, it was... That the, was a hard game to watch. It was a very hard game to watch. I think, you know, we saw positives with Bakari and Derek. But other than that, I mean, it, w- it was rough. It was a very – it was a it was a poorly played game. I mean, they'll score, they only scored 54 points. You know, you can't – They've averaged – in the two home losses in the conference, they've averaged 52 points. Last year, they scored a minimum of 65 in every game. Yeah. Every game. You have to go back – and now Valpo has now lost d- two conference home games by double f- digits. Uh, that this is this is uncharted territory. First of it's all, Valpo's, Valpo's gone a long stretch of time where they don't lose conference games at home, right? Or maybe they lose one, and now they're losing. They've lost two by double digits. It's look, they're young. Here's and here's the thing: like as much as we sit here and we can rail on this nonstop, and, and we really could, it's difficult because what did we really expect? No, exactly. But that's the thing. Like people that set the expectation so high, I don't think looked at this for what it was. Right? Yeah. This was a, this was an awful, not awful. This was just an unfortunate time for this program to transition from one conference to the other. Yeah. Because Last year would have been a much better it year. It would have been make, great. In theory, if everyone was on board and right. everyone was healthy and all of that. Noise would have been made, you know, it would have been fun, but it's a new team with young players in a new conference with opponents they've really not seen a lot of. My so here's here's my hope. I'm it's not going to happen this episode. This episode we've got a pair of special guests that are I'm coming up. I'm so excited. Yeah, a pair of special guests coming up from the nationally ranked nationally ranked Nation- Valpo basketball managers team. 23rd in the nation. That's right. Kendall O'Banner and Robbie Crimmins will be joining us here in a little bit. I do in the future. I'm trying to lock this in. Uh, I, I want to interview somebody that was at Valpo. Uh, we're trying to get Brandon McPherson, but trying to get him uh, on the mic is very difficult because he's got, like, a big boy job, right? He's like a professional. <laughs> right, right, like a real mo- person. Mo- most of these people we've interviewed the last couple of years have been, like, the last you know last year was, like, oh, you're a basketball player, you're on break, you're a coach or whatever, like, yeah. you got some downtime. Um when Valpo moved to the Horizon League, their first year in the Horizon League, they had some seniors on the team that were really good. They weren't Alec Peters-level good, but they were a pretty good team. Mm-hmm. And they came out, and their first, the first two conference games, they won them. 
everyone was like, Valpo's not supposed to be very good. They won their first two games, and they ended up, I think, finishing in third place in the conference that year. And uh, I'm, I'm going to do a quick look on uh, on that as we're going here. Valpo made it to the semifinals of the conference tournament. I mean, they did they did good work. This is in the 07-08 season that they ultimately went on to beat Washington in the uh, in the CBI. Valpo finished tied for fourth. They were nine and nine in the conference, which you know it leveled out a little bit. But they they beat Wright State and Detroit right when they started, and uh, and that was a that was a good. It was a good year. They almost beat. I mean, they lost by ten, but they they had Wisconsin on the ropes late until the refs took over. They went to Butler, a nationally ranked team, only lost by eight, and uh, they had uh, they had another game where they had Butler beat at home. Butler was number ten in the country, and uh, one of their player, one of Alpha's players, airballed a free throw late in the game on national television, <laughs> and uh, Butler goes on gets a three pointer on the other end, ends up winning seventy one to sixty eight. So. Valpo had a lot of really close losses that year, and they ultimately lose to Cleveland State in the uh, semifinals of the conference tournament. The next year, they were young, and they went 9-22. and The last time that Valpo's lost 10 games over the stretch of 13 uh, contests was that year, and they've done that so far. This team is very similar to the 08-09 team, I think. You've got a couple seniors that are talented on the team like that year they had uh Jake Diebler and Euroleague Baboa on that team and you know some guys who who maybe not been asked to be the leading scorer like maybe a Max Joseph Jake Diebler was uh Jake actually was the one who found Max and recruited Max Joseph yep. but so and then you've got Euroleague Baboa who was a very you know very talented big man who was a senior and they go 9 and 22 in their final year and they shuffled in young guys in the lineup. A lot of freshmen, a local freshman named DeAndre uh, Haskins, I believe, from Michigan City, who was only here for a year. And shuff- sometimes he was in the starting lineup. Sometimes he didn't play at all, mm. similar to what we're seeing now. And Valpo goes 9-22 and that year. And, and it, what's odd is they started the year with a, a really nice win over Central Florida, who they played later on that year and lost by 25. Very odd situation. The thing is, is that, I didn't think anyone was banking on a 9-22 and year this year for Valpo, and, and obviously they've cleared that expectation with the amount of wins they have. Yes. But it's still – it's much more of a year like that than it is like Alex's freshman year when I think they went 18-15 and 15 yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it just feels different. It's, it's just a different feel for Valpo basketball, like, you know, the program in general. It's like we've talked about it. They're not used to this kind of adversity and, and struggle. Um you know, speaking from, you know, the team that's currently out there, obviously just because, you know, young and haven't played together much. But, um, you know, also is these last few games probably probably missing Joe Burton a little bit more than, than not. Yeah, I will say Valpo's got a stretch here. <clears throat> six winnable games coming up in a row. Yep. They're not going to win all six. No. But there's six winnable games. Certainly. And Gotta starting win. with... Got to win Evansville. Wednesday night against Evansville. Yeah. Tied for last in the conference with Valpo. Got to win that game. At home, have to win that game. Yes. If you lose that game at home to Evansville, sayonara. Right. We might shut it down for the rest of the year. Because if you don't have anything nice to say, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it's tough. It'll be tough. It's, it, that's, that's a game that you got to win at Absolutely. home. Yeah. Then you go to Illinois State. Nine o'clock start, ESPN2. ESPN2. What a, what a pick. Illinois State, 
is a good team, right? They went seventeen and one in conference last yep. year, but they're they're hobbled right now, and their star uh, Yarborough has got a uh, toe injury, which was talked about yesterday in the Missouri Valley Conference teleconference, and uh, I don't know his status. We should know more by Saturday, obviously, but that's one that feels ripe for a win that you can get. Then Valpo comes back home a week from Wednesday against Indiana State. You got to win that one. You 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 battled with them at their place. It was a it was a, a tough, physical, emotional game. The home games become more crucial down Absolutely. the stretch. Absolutely. Then you go to Southern Illinois. Okay, you beat Southern Illinois here. They're a team that's that is got some health issues, and they're just they're not very good this year. No. You got to win that one. Or you got a chance to win that one. Then you go to Evansville. Long road trip, but look, if you beat them the first time around, maybe you got some. You, now you're feeling good about yourself. And then you come back home, ESPNU, February 11th. And Illinois State again. Illinois State. And depending on what happens in that first game, you'd think that Yarborough will be back, even if he may not even be out, you know. But, but again, there's a possibility that you can see uh, there's some winnable games coming up here for Valpo. Yep. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. It, no. it, it, it uh, the lineup is interesting to me. You, I don't know if you make lineup changes again. Is I think you maybe you put John Kaiser in the starting lineup, but he gives you such a lift off the bench that maybe you need him coming with that second unit. I don't right. know. Yeah, I don't no, know. I it's it's interesting. You feel like you just try something different or anything. You know, it's tough to say, especially you know you and I. We can we can pick it apart and analyze it all we want, but. You know, to be in a coach's shoes is just obviously so different. And it's a process, too. So, right. I mean, look, people can point to Malik and say, well, he's struggling, but rather have him struggle now than struggle next year. Right. You know? And and so he, here's my thing. You lose one game in a row, they got you. You lose two games in a row, tough scheduling. You lose three games in a row, got to make changes. Something. I don't know what that is. Maybe yeah. it's a different play. Maybe it's a different style. Maybe, I mean... Last time they lost a series of games, they moved Mike over to point. And, you know, so that happened. So it, it, uh, I guess we'll see what's going what's gonna to take place as we go. Uh, I'm excited to see Evansville be a game that we've been waiting for for about 10 years mm-hmm. for Evansville to come to the arc. Yeah. And then uh, I'm going to Illinois State on Saturday. Nine o'clock start should be cra- You're in bed by then. Oh, yeah, easily. Easily, yes. So it uh, should be uh, very interesting. And then, uh, then next week, Indiana State will be back, but uh, looking forward to it. So uh, I got to tell you, though, Parker, I know that you weren't in here for the interview, but you're going to love it. Oh, no, I'm very excited. Kendall O'Banner and Robbie Crimmins. This is, uh, for me, most highly anticipated interview. Uh, we, we're going to take some time. We're going to chat with these guys about the nationally ranked Valpo basketball managers team and then how they got started being managers and what a manager even means because these guys are, the you would say, the lifeblood of the program. Oh, right? yeah. Big time. So, uh, Robbie Crimmins, Kendall O'Banner coming up. Parker, thank you very much. We'll be back thank next you, week as uh, Valpo plays Evansville and then at Illinois State. Uh, what, what do you got? You got two wins, one win, zero wins? You, say, you said the next two? Yeah. Uh, I'd set it at one and a half. I think they got <laughs> they, they they have to beat Evansville. Oh, yes, absolutely. You know? And so, so there's— Hence one and a half. Okay. And then Illinois State is—yeah. I'll say one and a half, too. It's up in the air. Very good. All right. Parker, thank you very much. Thanks, Paul. Joined now by two very special guests, 
we've got these guys. I've, I've really wanted to get people from this organization on for a long time. And these two guys I've known myself personally for a while. We've got Kendall O'Banner and Robbie Crimmins here, two members of the nationally ranked Valparaiso <laughs> Basketball Managers team. Let's get into that first. Kendall, for what, nationally ranked, what does that mean? I mean, it's a big honor, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty It's pretty tough to say and get a, get a full grasp for it because – we really didn't think it would get this serious coming into it. And then, like, once we picked up on it, it's a, it's a great feeling now. I didn't even know there were rankings for the managers out there. Robbie, when, what, I mean, is this something you guys were paying attention to? Yeah, uh, last year we, like, we kind of noticed it, and we played a couple of uh, manager games. But this year we won our first game, and we're like, uh, we might as well uh, tweet out the picture. And that's how they kind of record the scores and all. Um we tweeted to a, uh, this page, uh, Manager Games, and they look at that, and then they uh, they create the rankings out of that. So we won the first couple, and then we're like, we might as well just keep tweeting it, see see if anything happens. So, uh, so wh- how does how does this work? How do you how do you negotiate when you play a game? Um, so we usually just contact uh, ops guy or a head manager at the opposing school, and just ask, do you guys want to play? And if they say yeah, we just we do it at like nine o'clock at night on road trips. The night before a game, yeah. then. How serious are these games? Are they? I mean, a call your own foul. Do you try to get like intramurals to come in and ref them, or how does that work? It's call your own fouls, and yeah, these games get pretty intense. And yeah, it's it's basically just like kind of like you pick up, and then um, yeah, it's just kind of the same rules apply. I mean, running clock to twenty minute halves. Um, and then obviously, uh, at the end of the game, last two minutes, uh, the clock will stop and then one on one after that. So, uh, Jay Billis from ESPN has, has long been a champion of the managers, you know, and, and really, uh, and, and he tweets out things. Have you guys had any interactions with Jay on Twitter? Um, we got the one retweet from him yeah. when we beat Missouri State's managers last week. And yeah, from there we just, we knew we had, we made it big time. So now, the the big team, the Valpo basketball team, has lost to Missouri State twice. You guys beat Missouri State managers. Do you do you say, hey, Bakari, like you want to talk to me about some game plan stuff? How does that work? <laughs> no, nah, we try not to get into that with the guys. They usually just support us because we support them so much. So they just get along. They're along with it, so they're happy for us. So, Robbie, you two are on the team. What's the rest of your roster makeup for the managers? Um, on the road, it's uh, Kendall, Jason. Um, You're talking about Jason Karras. Jason the first ever, <laughs> The first ever active player interview on Union Street Hoops right. when he came in and, and uh, drained. What, it was a three-pointer, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so, so you've got a former Division One active right, player, Jason right. Karras, on your team. And then uh, Peter Funk, who is a sophomore, and then... It, the the fifth spot is kind of a rotation. Um, also, the manager games. It's sometimes just supporting staff because we don't have five straight managers that we travel with. So yeah, this so, isn't North Carolina who brings yeah. fifteen <laughs> managers with no. them. So sometimes it'll be a uh, coach Joey, our Dobo, or uh, coach Bowl, or uh, strength coach Derek plays. Yes, man, I would <laughs> not <laughs> want to. in one game and. <laughs> The, the other team was definitely scared of him. I mean, that beard is just intimidating. Man, so. I would not want to be in the post against Derek. <laughs> Kendall, who is the leading scorer on the team? Ah, oh, man, it's a tough question, you know. But I'll, I'll give it to Jason. 
He's yeah. he, he carries us. When uh, when when Jason, you know, Jason had been a manager. Kendall, you said you've been here for five years. Robbie, all four years you've been a manager. When Jason made the active roster last year, um, could you guys kind of live vicariously through him a little bit? What's that like to see him going out there and getting to wear a uniform? Uh, I was excited for him. I was like, I was his biggest supporter once. We found that out. Me and Jabril both. We were just like, man, this is cool. Like, one of us gets to do it, and it was him. So we were just happy for him. I want to ask you guys now, the the job of being a manager is, uh, I think people don't really even understand what you guys do. Probably the joke is you guys are doing the laundry and all of that stuff, which I'm sure that's one of a lot of responsibilities. First of all, how did you guys get into it? Kendall, you've been here longest. What was – how did you first get started? Did you play in high school and decide you still wanted to be around the game, or how did this work? Yeah, I played in high school my first two years, and then I started being a manager in high school. And then once I got to college, I really wanted to be around the game still. So I contacted Will Phipps, who was the ops guy at the time, and he just introduced me to you know, what we had to do, and I was on board ever since then. Robbie, what about you? How did you get yeah, started? Yeah, unlike Kendall, I uh, did not play any basketball in high school. I actually played volleyball. And then um, coming to Valpo, uh, my uncle was like, because he uh, came here for sports management as well, and he's like, the biggest thing is just get involved. And I'm like, all right, I, t- I talked to the event manager or event person at the time, and I'm like, all right, maybe I'll try basketball. I mean, obviously, um, that was known in the past, and uh, – Walking back to the basketball wing was my approach, and that was the most intimidating thing. And right when I walked back, um, all the coaches were getting out of a meeting, and I just fell out of place at the time. But um, Coach Phipps also talked to me, and um, they got me on pretty quick after that. So a little different path, but, yeah, it was good. And I see so many managers that have come through have uh, have been guys. Some of them want to go into coaching. There was a guy, a manager, about five, six years ago, named Tim Hops, who recently was a high school coach in Northwest Indiana. Then there's other guys who just come through and, and do it for a couple of years and go sell cars, like Jacob Schoon <laughs> from last year. What, uh, Kendall? Take me through a, a, like, take me through a practice. Like what, from 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 you know, whenever you get to the gym before a practice starts till a practice ends, what do you have to do? I mean, since I'm there pretty early, I'm usually running around helping the coaches doing whatever they need and then sometimes players come in want to get shots up before so I go rebound for them and then guys like Robbie and Jason they're usually cutting film or breaking down film and yeah that's pretty much it and then once we get to practice there's no smiles all energy from there is high pace uh intense and you know just be there to help as much as possible Matt Loddick is a pretty fiery individual, and I gotta believe that practices can get pretty intense. When he's, if if he's railing on the guys or anything like that, justifiably so. Like, what what what's the manager's role? What do you guys do? No smiles, <laughs> um, and just you know, just stand there and just still be supportive of the guys, and just keep bringing energy, because the guys, not many people believe it, but the guys really feed, feed off of the energy from the sideline. So. Like we just do that, and the guys, you know, pick it up from there. Robbie, take me through what happens at, at a game. You know, let's let's do a, a road game. A road you know, game. let's say when you when you went to uh, to Northern Iowa or Missouri State. Um, usually, depending on game time, depends on like pretty much the whole timetable for the day. But usually, around nine or ten, um, we'll wake up 
uh, 15 minutes later, we got to make uh, calls to every room, make sure all the players are up. We'll head down to breakfast, and then probably like an hour later, we'll head to shoot around. Um, we're there for usually an hour to hour and a half. There, um, half the managers will be out rebounding and setting up for practice. The other half will usually be setting up the locker room, um, getting all the jerseys out, making sure they're not too bad of shape, not wrinkled or anything like that getting the locker room all set for um, when the players come in later in the day. After shoot-around, we'll usually head back to the um, hotel. That's when the managers get their workout in. Um, <laughs> and then we'll uh, usually go a pregame um, meal. And then do you get to choose your food, or is, do you guys have to eat with the players? Um, no, eat? unfortunately, no. Chicken? It, chicken, chicken and... usually mashed potatoes, um, a house salad, and then bread. Man, so. that's kind of unfair because, <laughs> I mean, I know you guys. I've I've been on some of these road trips, and I know that there's some good restaurants and and to eat the same thing every time. I know it's. Ch I think it's changed a bit under Matt Loddick. I know under the previous coaching staff, it was the same meal every time. Yeah, right? it, it's still pretty similar. But after that, um, go back to the hotel. We'll we'll usually pack everything up. Um, we have a bunch of other equipment, and then load the bus, and then go to the game, have game, and then. Uh, We'll uh, head out after that, usually back home. So, All right, I want to ask you some fun questions now. And if you guys don't want to answer these, well, we'll just move on. Uh, uh, Robbie, I'm going to start with you. What's, like, the, the quirkiest request that a player was have before a game? Like, is there, like, a unique, like, I need, you know, three towels and a power bar on my chair or something like that? Or, like, is there is there any kind of, like, unique quirk that you can share about about and it can be a former player if you don't want to get yeah. in trouble with any current guys um i, I don't can't really think of any I, if kendall has something to add nah, i can't really i can't really think of no players asking any weird things they're, they're pretty normal i mean they're 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 set in their ways but they're they're just focused on the game and ready to go some All like right. the some of the pl uh, players that are like the transfers or the ones that are sitting out will do like weird handshakes or like when we're going by or, or our strength coach too he uh he gives like a weird high five or something but like nothing 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 super crazy okay i gotta ask this so last year alec peters would get into this mode where with about 35 left on the clock before a game you guys everyone's getting ready to go in and he would take the last shot and he would take a deep deep three and i know a couple of you guys have rebounded those deep threes before and he typically always would hit one or two Max is the guy that takes those shots this year, and I don't think Max has hit one yet. I, what do, do you, Kendall? Are you out there rebounding for him a little bit? Um, yeah, I rebound a lot for him, and you know it. It is what it is. Not, not everybody's <laughs> blessed with that ability I, to uh, have prior to the. Uh, I forget which game it was. It was one of the last home games, and uh, man, every shot was way off. And I was just I was watching managers run around and grab the rebounds and everything like that. Uh, Kendall, what what game, what win stands out as maybe your, your brightest and proudest moment of being around Valpo basketball? I would say the Horizon League Championship uh, my sophomore year, I believe, when we went to the tournament. Well, we won the championship at home. That was probably my favorite win. Robbie, what about uh, that NIT run? Did you get to go to New York and everything? Um, yeah, I did go to New York. I wasn't with the team all the whole time I was there, but I did get to hang out with at least the manager crew for a while. And uh, Jason and myself were right behind the bench. And um, yeah, Coach Drew um, 
didn't want us with like the travel party just because just keep it together and i mean th- it was working so i don't blame yeah, him at all yeah and then uh actually keith went down in that one game and i actually got to go back in the mm-hmm. locker room quick because they're like we need it we need a uh report on keith so that was really cool and just being in madison square garden i've never been to new york so it was really cool to see that i'm tough loss there but um it was definitely a good experience. And what's the coolest place that you've been? What's the coolest place that Valpo basketball has taken you guys? There's there's been a couple of cool ones. Um, I mean, Madison Square Garden is obviously probably probably the best. But as far as um, college basketball arenas, I mean, Purdue definitely brought it this year. But as far as building wise, Oregon was pretty cool too. Yeah. And just that court, seeing that court was just unbelievable. And it definitely messes with your head a little bit, and you're like looking at it, you're like, "Wow, this is crazy." Lexus Williams hitting a big half court shot yeah. to beat those guys this year. Yeah. Kendall, what about you? What uh, was your favorite place to travel? Um, I'm not as lucky as these guys was. They went to you know Vegas and Oregon, so I would. I saw some of the managers in Vegas, and they and you were better <laughs> off because they left they left broke. I think. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna get into that. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I would probably say my favorite arena to go to, um, it's a toss-up because we just went to Northern Iowa. I liked how that environment was, but Oakland. Oakland, Oakland was, nice. was fun. Oakland was a good so, a good time with the blacktop there and everything. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, let, me, uh, let me wrap it up with this question here. Obviously, Valpo, they're, they're struggling a bit right now. Um, what do you guys see in practice every day? Is this a is this a upbeat, positive group? Are they? Uh, is I mean, are they are they feeling pressure? Or are these guys ready to to go get another win? Uh, no pressure at all. They they are, they they're trusting the process, like Coach Lodic says. So they're just going with it, staying positive, keep uh, keep bringing energy, and you know everybody staying together, trying not to listen to like the outside or the pressure of past teams. So they're just moving forward one game at a time. Robbie, what's uh, are all eyes on the Missouri Valley Conference tournament right now? Yeah, I mean that's obviously um, probably where we stand. But I mean, right now we're just trying to win games and position ourselves to make a run. Very good. Thank you guys very much. Well, no, I guess I got to ask. Uh, what when's the next game for you guys? Um, well, we're trying to get Evansville to play, but if not Evansville, I'm sure we'll get a game at Illinois State. Well, I'm thinking now people might kind of be a little scared to play you guys right i mean kind of like <laughs> kind of like what valpo feels now you get your name in the rankings and maybe they want to be like no, i heard about you i don't want to play you guys no, i shouldn't be like that okay very good very good like all right well uh valpo managers 23rd in the country right now in the first rankings ever for valpo managers as far as uh, yeah i think so i don't <laughs> i don't even know that valpo's really had a team before so uh kendall O'Banner, robbie crimmins thank you guys very much keep keep doing the good work and we'll hope to see you guys out on the court here pretty soon thank you that was great insight from robbie crimmins and kendall O'Banner, two members of the valparaiso men's basketball manager staff excited that uh, they are members of the basketball team nationally ranked 23rd in the country i don't know how these rankings are come up with but sure we'll go with it valpo should play friday night against illinois state uh, the managers, that is, and then the men's team tips off on Saturday night, 9 o'clock on ESPN2. Should be an exciting game there. Mitch Holtis again on the call on ESPN2 along with Malcolm Huckabee. Same broadcasters have done the last couple games for Valpo. I originally wasn't going to talk anymore here. Parker is gone. It's just me. But I'll tell you, I had the opportunity to meet with Matt Lodick earlier 
Uh, today, right after Parker and I interviewed our segment there, I went and interviewed Matt Loddick for media availability and had an excellent talk with uh, with Coach Loddick. Um, the Valpo basketball team had a, sounds like a two-and-a-half-hour-long film session uh, going through the clips of the Loyola game, especially the stretch where Loyola went on a big scoring run, and they broke down what happened and and Matt Loddick said he was surprised by how many mental mistakes were made during a stretch. There'd be a turnover, which would lead to uh, a three-point shot on the other end. There'd be a missed uh, a missed spot in transition, which would lend to a three-pointer. There'd be a missed shot, which would learn to a three-pointer for Loyola. And the the Ramblers made Valpo pay at every stretch, and so. What Loddick took out of the, the film session and what he, he implored to the players was these defensive breakdowns are all things that Valpo can control. They're things that happen, and he spent a lot of time, as he said, having honest conversations with the players during the film session. He saw that the players were making mistakes that they're not coached to make, and and these film sessions can you know, they can get very detail orientated in terms of who made the mistakes and what happened. John Kaiser later said that in those film sessions, everybody's held accountable. Players will get called out for making a mistake. But as he said, you know, if Malik makes a mistake, I need to pay attention to figure out how I don't make that mistake as well and vice versa and, and all of that. So there was there was no bashing of players going on, but there was a lot of really introspective talk during this. Uh, Coach Loddick stated that during the film session, Emmanuel Dildy gave a, uh, a strong kind of motivational talk to the team, and, and he went in and, uh, and, and talked a lot, and, and he's got experience with, with Loyola. He was an assistant coach at Loyola uh, from 2013 to 2016 before going to Missouri for a year. And you know, Coach Dildy recruited most of that Loyola team, and he talked about he got up and talked in the in the film session about how a couple of years ago, when those kids were all freshmen, they're sitting at zero and eight in league play, and Dildy said that he gave kind of the same exact conversation, and you know, it, it's not the talent, it because because those Loyola players were talented when they got to Loyola. It's not talent that's hurting right now. It's just the little things, the little intricate details, the small details, small parts of the game. And that was a point that Dildy made to the team. That was a point that Loddick made to us in the media availability. And that was a point that John Kaiser kind of backed up, saying it's just little things that you need to kind of get into. And and Loddick, again, talked about what what needs to be done differently, what needs to be done better. And he's, it's, it's paying attention to the details. Loddick is very confident that the best version of this team is coming in the future and that it, it, it will come. And the team is still a, a close-knit team and, and they're improving and they're getting really close. I think, again, Parker and I probably came off as a bit critical and that's fine. This, this, term des this team deserves to, to have some criticism thrown its way. But at the same time, you do see, you know, the close first half at Missouri State, the the nip and tuck fight with some of these teams, the comeback effort against Northern Iowa. It's just that little bit that they need. 
and this was not brought up. The name wasn't even mentioned in the the media availability. But man, I think of a player like Lexus Williams, and Boise State just put out a really nice tweet with a little a three and a half minute long video story about Lexus. Man, his leadership, his he was a vocal leader, and you see Max and Tavon as seniors, the lone seniors on the team are very quiet individuals. They're very passive, quiet individuals. And I, it, it's just they're, I don't know that there's a rah-rah guy on the roster right now that is, is doing this. And so that might be part of it. Um, I, you know, we talked, one of, the, one of the points that was made, Jerry Palm, of, and I think we touched on this earlier, Jerry Palm of CBS Sports was at the Valpo Loyola game, and I asked him, what do you think? And he said, he said, uh, you know, useless dribbling. There's just a lot of dribbling going on in the game. That was something that was looked at in the film session. One of the players from Valpo apparently took 11 dribbles before he passed the ball. And, uh, you know, going on and, and trying to figure out how to get the actions that Valpo's trying to get and get the mismatches and how to make that work. And a lot of it is with a young team, you're trying to understand what, what the what the play calls, what the actions are trying to create, and that was a lot of what they went through in the film session too. This is why you dribble to this spot and pass here, and and you know he talked about Matt Loddick talked about making the hockey assist, making the pass that sets up the next pass, and you know just still trying to do a good job of of of, of getting into the flow of the offense, and that's been a bit of a struggle. We asked about what what was the biggest thing that needed to be focused on, offense or defense. And and Lodic is a defensive minded guy, and he said our defensive in, intensity, the defensive intensity needs to be what we do because we can control that. And and he talked quite a bit about about that. So it was a good conversation. I I came out of it thinking that uh, this team's going to win, and if they don't, it's not for the lack of trying. The Crusaders are, are right there. I know that the sky is falling, two and six, a couple of double-digit home losses. Everything looks bad. And I'm not trying to be the, you know, the, the president of the Valpo Basketball Fan Club here. All, all I'm saying is that, uh, as, as Matt Lodick has said, there is a process, and the process takes time. And, you know, it, it's again, it's difficult to look at a Northern Iowa and see Pickford and in, in, and Fife to have those those games where they're they're able to put that you know forty three points or whatever it is they had in that game and and you know but youth comes along at different times and that's just kind of how that works and and there's a process the coaches have bought into it the players have bought into it have the fans bought into it I think that's a whole a whole nother question we asked both Matt Loddick and John Kaiser is Wednesday against Evansville a must win. Matt Loddick said, I, look, I want to win. I want to win really badly. Uh, he stopped short of calling it a must win. I don't think he's wired that way. John Kaiser, on the other hand, said every game's a must win from now on. We've got to win all of them. And, it, again, it's look, they're saying the same thing by saying it in different ways, I think. Valpo's is going to go out there, and, and they obviously want to want to hold on to home court and, and get this victory. To be an interesting game at the Arc Wednesday night, Valpo and Evansville. You can catch it. I think this is an ESPN three contest, and uh, obviously pay attention. Follow on Twitter, NWI Orin. 
Hope you enjoy all of the uh, the tweets. It is Staff Faculty Appreciation Night for those who are connected to the university. And then Saturday at Illinois State, ESPN 2, 9 o'clock start. Should be a fun one. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of Union Street Hoops, which you can get every week on NWI.com and on iTunes. Thank you. Take care.